You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Today on Preaching Source, we are happy to have Dr. Steve Gaines, who is the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and he's also the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, he holds the Ph.D. and the Master of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so welcome home, Dr. Gaines. We're glad to have you here on Preaching Source. I'm so glad to be here. I've really enjoyed being on the campus again. All right. Well, uh, we don't have the opportunity to ask this question of anybody else who's president of the Southern Baptist Convention, so we're going to put it to you. Uh, Dr. Gaines, what do you see as the greatest need uh, in Southern Baptist life today in terms of preaching? Well, I believe that one of the greatest needs that I see is for pastors at the end of their sermon to give an invitation for people to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior then and there. I don't know why that has become such an issue for so many people, but I don't believe you have really preach the gospel unless you, at the end of your sermon, tell people how to be saved and then give them the opportunity to be saved then and there. Mm. Well, let me follow up with that, Dr. Gaines. I know one of the uh, things uh, that you are concerned about, as uh, are a lot of other Southern Baptists, uh, is the decline in membership and decline in baptisms uh, for the first time since 1947. We baptized fewer than 300,000 people. Uh, how, how can we reverse that trend? Well, I think a couple of things. I think one thing, we're so afraid, so many people are so afraid of easy believism that it's almost like we're afraid of believism. Uh, we are rightfully uh, concerned about people mindlessly praying a prayer and, and just, you know, mimicking some words, mouthing off some words, repeating some words, and their heart and their mind and their soul not being engaged in it. Of course, that's a tragedy. But I also think that we're so timid about it now that we don't do what Peter did on the day of Pentecost, and that is give an invita invitation and say, be ye saved from this perverse generation. You know, when Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 3, he said, repent therefore and return that your sins may be washed away, that times and seasons of refreshing may come to you from the presence of the Lord. So I believe that an invitation is it's just, it's just a, a must for a, a biblical sermon. When you preach, you can talk about Christ-centered preaching all you want to. But when Christ preached, he said, come unto me, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's an invitation. Jesus was always inviting people to come to him. And he talked about receiving him. It's the Greek word lambano. And some people don't like to talk about accepting Jesus. And they almost think that's demeaning. Well, I'm sorry, but the word lambano means to accept, to invite, and to receive. As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So I believe that we're not preaching passionately and we're not preaching evangelistically because we're not giving people the opportunity to, number one, repent of their sins, Number two, believe that Jesus died savingly for their sins and that he died substitutionally for their sins and that he died also to, to give them eternal life and he was buried to prove that he was dead and he rose from the dead. 
let them believe in those things and then receive him. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Now, if you don't want to lead them in a specific prayer, and if you don't want to give them a come forward altar call, however you want to do it. If you want to have a room over here where you meet with people, if you have a a, a group of guys that stand around after the service over with to talk to people, but you have to give those people an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ then and there, or in my opinion, you have not preached the gospel. Mm. Dr. Gaines, you've written a a blog post for us here on Preaching Source, and let let me uh, quote back to you uh, something that you said in your your blog post. The need of the hour in our churches, the Southern Baptist Convention, and our nation is genuine evangelistic preaching. If a preacher should be able to do anything, he ought to be able to preach. If he preaches, he ought to preach evangelistically. Now, I, I hear you saying here the importance of offering a, a specific, uh, identifiable invitation to as the culmination of e- each sermon. But uh, how, what else does a preacher do to preach evangelistically and, and make his pulpit and his ministry an evangelistic pulpit and ministry? Well, I love the verse in Acts 8.35, where, and it's not really a sermon, but it is a, uh, I believe he was a deacon, uh, Philip was sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, Acts eight thirty five says, And beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. I think that's a great model. All of our preaching needs to be scripturally based. We need to get the message from the word of God. It also needs to be about Jesus. But it also needs to be a proclamation with our lips. Uh, Dr. Fish, whom I graded for for uh, seven years here from 1981 to 1988, he was a great evangelism professor here. He would tell us that we cannot serve Jesus with a zipped lip. Uh, I, I believe that what it is, it's, it's sharing the gospel. It's sharing what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried. And I think he included that to show that Jesus was really dead and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. There, that's the meat of it. That's the heart of the gospel. And then you call people to three things. How do you get saved? Number one, you've got to repent. You've got to repent. Jesus said in uh, Luke 13, if you don't repent, you'll perish. He said it twice. And then repent means to turn. It means to do a, a U-turn, an about face. That's a great image for people. You've ever seen a U-turn sign? That's repentance, and God will help you repent. And then you believe. You believe savingly. You trust in Jesus Christ that he died for your sins and that he rose from the dead to give you eternal life. And then you don't just repent and believe. You receive. R-B-R. You repent, you believe, you receive. You ask Christ to come into your life. And we take the gospel. We preach from a text. We preach it evangelistically by uh, looking at the, at the text and explaining what it meant then, illustrating it now, and then applying it today. We use the prophetic you. I got this from Herschel Hobbs, and he got it from uh, a, a preacher of a day gone by. He, he said, you know, when you talk to somebody, he said, use the word you. Don't say we need to read our Bible or we need to repent. Say you need to repent. Think about how many times Jesus said uh, you, 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 over and he, you have heard that it was said this, but I say to you, Jesus was constantly using you. The prophets used you. He, uh, Dr. Hobbs called it the prophetic you. He says, when you say we, the guy in the, in the pew is saying, hey, he's talking to somebody out here. He said, when you say you, he said, he's talking to me. 
it takes it, it, it totally changes your sermon. So I think that's the way we preach evangelistically. We preach the Bible, we emphasize Jesus, and we give them a chance to receive him then and there. Dr. Gaines, you've written uh, uh, several books. Uh, one of them is Preaching Evangelistically, but you have also written uh, Pray Like It Matters and Share Jesus Like It Matters. I know that prayer has been one of the uh, key themes of your ministry at Bellevue, and I know it's part of your heart for the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, talk to us about the need for prayer as well as personal evangelism in, in all of our churches. When I was in college, uh, I went to Union University my last two years, and uh, I had an hour to take just an elective, and I took voice lessons. And I went in, and uh, the guy said, okay, let me see you breathe. He looked at me breathing. He said, you're breathing all wrong. And I said, well, it's been, it's been working for 19 years. You know, what's wrong with it? <laughs> he said, well, you're not breathing diaphragmatically. I want to teach you how to breathe diaphragmatically. He said, lay down on the floor. I had no idea what he was talking about. He, then he takes his shoes, his little penny loafers. He took his shoes off. He stands on my stomach. He said, now make me go up and down when you breathe. He was a little bitty guy. And so I started breathing. He said, now that's the way you breathe. And he said this. He said, I said, I, said, I came here to learn how to sing. He said, I got to teach you how to breathe before you learn how to sing. And Barry, I'm telling you, I think prayer is spiritual breathing. You've got to learn to pray before you learn to preach. You've got, here's, here's what I believe. You've got to learn to talk with God before you learn to talk for God. And you have no business talking for God if you have not been talking with God. A preacher is a communicator, first of all, with God. Jesus said, I, my sheep hear my voice. We hear his voice through his word. We read the Bible. We pray the Bible back to God. We talk to the Lord about every care that we have. We talk to him while we're in our sermon preparation. We talk to him when we're out witnessing the people. We talk to him when we're preaching even. I've been preaching and in my mind praying a prayer about something that I'm, I'm preaching about. I, I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, you, you pray at all times. And when you pray, the Spirit of God anoints what you're doing. God does not waste his Holy Spirit anointing on prayerless people. What good is a prayerless preacher? What good is a prayerless conservative? No offense, but what good is a prayerless uh, uh, seminary professor? What good is a prayerless pastor? What good is a prayerless denominational leader? If we don't pray, God's Spirit doesn't come upon us. Jesus Christ prayed. Every morning he went out to an early place and was praying there. He would often take, uh, Luke 5.18 says, he would often go into the wilderness and pray. Maybe it's Luke 5.16. But he would often go in the wilderness and he would pray. The Bible says on the cross that he prayed three times. Three of the sayings of Jesus on the cross, of the seven sayings, are prayers. And if Jesus needed, in his resurrected state, he prayed at the, at the, uh, at the house there with those guys at Emmaus. He wouldn't even put, the resurrected Lord wouldn't put a morsel of bread in his mouth before he prayed. And what's he doing now? He ever liveth, Hebrews 7, 25, to make, to make intercession for us to those who draw near to God through him. If Jesus needed to pray, I got news for you, Steve needs to pray. <laughs> and so I believe that once you learn to talk with God, it's so much easier to talk for God. And I believe it's incumbent. I think the number one thing, not just for every preacher, but for every Christian is your prayer life your prayer life, your prayer life. That is the litmus test of how your spiritual life is, how your walk with Jesus is. I don't care how many books you read. I don't care all the classes you take, how many times you go to Sunday school, how many sermons you listen to. 
If you don't learn how to pray, you can't be the preacher God wants you to be. Oh, Steve, that, that is a great word, a great word. Uh, you are the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis. That That is one of the great legacy pulpits in Southern Baptist life. And uh, you, uh, your predecessors, uh, Adrian Rogers and R.G. Lee, are household names in Southern Baptist history. Uh, what Can you talk to us a little bit about w- what you believe their legacy is? I know that you've admired the ministry of both of those men and, and uh, loved them. And what uh, Talk to us a little bit about their legacy in preaching. Well, there were great men before them even, uh, Dr. Hurt, Enlow, and Bostick. Those guys laid a great foundation. And then Dr. Lee came, and he was just a very unusual man, uh, one of the hardest working men I've ever heard of. I, the, the stories I hear about from my oldest members about him, he would visit four, five, six people every day. He would uh, stay at the church 10, 12 hours a day. He was a wordsmith. He painted pictures. I mean, go listen to his most famous sermon, uh, a Payday Someday, and just see him painting pictures uh, with, about Jezebel and Ahab. And uh, it, it's just it's just unbelievable. He, he, he would study and read the dictionary. I talked to a lady that was his secretary, and she said he was one of the greatest soul winners she had ever met in my life. My own wife, her uncle, was 19 years old, was assigned to install Venetian blinds at Bellevue, goes to Bellevue, finds out it's in Dr. Lee's office, goes in there. He's in there. He is scared to death. This 19-year-old kid, and Charles is in there putting up some Venetian blinds, shaking the whole time. He said, I made noise the whole time. And he said, uh, after it's over with, Dr. Lee said, young man, sit down. And he sat down. He said, I want to ask you, do you know the Lord? And, and Charles was saved. But he said it just he couldn't believe that Dr. Lee would even ask him that, would care about his soul. And Dr. Lee told him, he said, I've made a commitment that whoever comes into my office, I don't want them to leave without knowing that they're saved. He was a great soul winner. He was a great preacher. He was a great pastor and a great man of God, left a great legacy. Dr. Rogers, Superman, awesome. Man, one of the greatest minds I've ever been around, one of the greatest hearts I've ever been around. Uh, I did not want to follow him. I told him when he... He asked me. I, I preached for him the first time, August 1996, and we had become friends before that. Uh, he would he would just mentor me. My church was doing great in Alabama, and I needed some help. It, it was on fire, and I said, "Hey, Doc, would you help me? Uh, I don't. I'm, I'm, this thing's growing like crazy, and I don't know what I'm doing." And I would just come and sit with him half a day. He was so gracious, so kind, and uh, he started asking me after I preached there. God just the first time I preached, God just came down. It, a lot of people got saved. And make a long story short, he asked me if I would think about coming, and I said, I don't want to follow you. I might follow the guy that follows you, but I don't want to follow you. But it was hard to follow him because he was so revered and so such a great guy, and, and he was. He, he couldn't help it. He'd walk into a room and just suck the life out of it. He's just one of those guys that was born to be a leader, and uh, God used him. And so, But I've always been comfortable in my skin. You know, I've always known kind of who I am. And I, I never tried to be like him. And so when I went, the first two years were pretty tough because I, I wasn't trying to be like him. I, I, I loved everybody uh, and, and all. But, you know, sometimes it's hard for people who have been hearing the voice 
of the shepherd through an un, a certain under-shepherd, it's hard for them to transition and continue to hear the voice of the shepherd through a different under-shepherd. And I think that that's why sometimes people just can't make that transition. So we had some people leave, but, you know, we had a lot of people join. And now, 11 years later, it's, it's the sweetest church in the world. These guys left a great legacy. There was a great guy in between them, by the way. Ramsey Pollard, one of the finest people in the world. Some of the best older church members I have joined the church during the Pollard days, or about 11, 13 years there. He did a great job. He was president of Southern Baptist Convention, too. And uh, so all these guys, these six guys before me, left a great legacy, and I'm just trying not to mess it up. And so I'm going to leave it to some guy in a few years, whatever, you know, and I want to leave the, the Bellevue legacy is Jesus Christ. That's all it is. Jesus is building that church. It's a Jesus church. It's a people's church. Uh, we, we baptize different ethnic groups uh, every week. We baptize Hispanics, blacks, whites every week. Uh, we reach a lot of different kinds of people. A lot of people come to church there. It's one of the greatest places in the world to preach. I, I, I'd rather preach there on Sunday night than any place I know on Sunday morning. Uh, I, I just I love preaching at Bellevue. It's just a wonderful place, and, and I, I just thank God that he allowed me to be the pastor there. Uh, Steve, you uh, alluded to the fact earlier that when you were a student here at Southwestern that you graded for uh, Dr. Roy Fish. Uh, give us some insight into what you think Dr. Fish's legacy is for, for evangelism and preaching. Well, Dr. Fish is the reason I came to Southwestern. Uh, I was a, a graduate. I'd already graduated from Union. I was waiting on Donna to graduate. So I go to seminary, but didn't know where, where I wanted to go. Malcolm McDowell, before he came here to be a professor of evangelism, was the evangelism director of the state of Tennessee. I went to a Tennessee uh, evangelism conference, and Roy Fish was preaching five different sermons on evangelism in the book of Acts. And after I heard those five sermons, I told Don, I said, I'm going to Southwestern. And so came here, had no idea that I would grade for him. Uh, I went one year, my first year here, and was working in a grocery store, couldn't find a church. You know, there's so many preachers out here. Were just, it was, this was the seminary uh, for anybody that was conservative back then. And so I uh, had a friend that was one of the greatest for Dr. Fish. He had three of us, and uh, there was an opening came open. He said, I want to uh, ask Dr. Fish if you, he would let you grade for the personal evangelism class. And so... Uh, it was kind of iffy at first, and then I walked in one day with Donna, and I think that after he met Donna, he thought, well, if he's got a wife that looks that pretty, he must be pretty sharp, you know. <laughs> so, Donna, I, I tell Donna her pecan pie didn't, help, didn't hurt, you know. So, um, but I, I became great friends with him. Dr. Roy Fish could have gone to pastor any church in the Southern Baptist Convention. He did dozens of interims, and everywhere he went, they wanted him to be the pastor. These are large churches. And frankly, he would have made a lot more money than he made maybe here or whatever, but he felt called of God. He felt the call of God to stay at Southwestern. I admired him for that. And uh, every time I would use him in my church, come preach for me, people would get saved. I saw people get saved in the classroom. I'm talking about while he, I, in fact, I don't, I think this is right. Every class I took under him, except for my PhD seminars, I saw people get saved. He was just a man of God. We go to the Southern Baptist Convention. We'd all like just to sit with him, you know, at the Southwestern Luncheon. And he would get up during the Southwestern Luncheon when Dr. Dilday or Dr. Hemphill or whoever would be talking. And he would go back into the back and witness to all of the workers that had been serving us the food at the Southern Baptist Convention. He, he just was some, one of the sweetest, kindest, most humble people I've ever met. Most Christ-like people. 
I don't know of anybody more like Jesus. I think when I think of Jesus, I think of Roy Fish, and, and that's probably the best thing I could say about him. And when you were in his class, there was an anointing there. I mean, his, you couldn't get into his classes. First-year students couldn't even get in there because everybody wanted to take Roy Fish. I think that God used him as much as anybody's ever been used as a professor in the Southern Baptist Convention or anywhere. Steve, you, you've talked a lot about evangelism and, and uh, about prayer in, in our podcast today. Uh, our listeners out there, most of them are pastors. Uh, uh, many of them will be uh, men who are studying to become pastors. I, I wonder if you would close our uh, uh, time today by offering a prayer uh, just whatever's on your heart in, in terms, I, I know you long for revival in, uh, in our convention and the, the church around the world, and you, you long for spiritual awakening for our nation and our world. But Steve, I, I just wonder if you would lead us in a prayer today, especially for those pastors out there who are trying to be good under shepherds of the great shepherd. Could I say one word before I do it? Yes, sir. I want to encourage every pastor to make prayer the priority of your life and preaching the priority of your ministry. But prayer comes before preaching. And I want to encourage you to go to bed on time and to get up early. Dr. Fish used to say, if you want to get up with Wesley, you got to go to bed with Wesley. And uh, Wesley would go to bed early and get up about four or five o'clock. I know that for some of you that sounds crazy, but I want to tell you something. There's something, you know, Jesus came to them walking on the water in the fourth watch. That's between three and six. He came to them in the fourth watch. And I think he'll come to you in that fourth watch. And I'm not trying to be legalistic, but get up early. Go to bed early and get up and read the Bible. Read it out loud. until Read the Bible until the Bible's reading you. And then talk to the Lord. Learn how to pray. And then you can learn how to preach. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this awesome opportunity. Thank you for this wonderful school. Thank you that the good hand of God has been on this school for almost 100 years. And God, we bless you and we honor you and we praise you. Thank you for Southwestern Seminary. Thank you for Paige Patterson. Thank you for Barry McCarty. Thank you for all the godly men and women who serve here. Thank you for every student. Thank you for all who are listening on this podcast. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray, dear God, for those who have grown cold in their walk with you, Lord, that they would just, Lord, you haven't left them. They've left you. They've walked away from you. And, Lord, they'll find you in your word. Help them to go back into the prayer closet, open the book, get down on their face, and, Lord, pray and seek your face. And, Lord, if there's any sin in their lives, even if it's not some gross sin, Lord, if it's just some sin of negligence, Lord, I pray that you would help them to be uh, able to confess, and Lord, to repent and to turn. And Lord God, that you would heal them of that. And Lord, that they would seek you. Lord God, these are desperate days. Lord God, we need you to open the windows of heaven. And the only way we know that that's going to take place is when we engage in fervent prayer. God, light a fire in us. God, I pray that we will not be complacent. I pray that we won't be worldly. I pray that we would Lord, uh, be in the Word. I pray that the Word of God would burn in our hearts like it burned in the heart of Jeremiah. Lord God, that we cannot stop speaking. 
of what we've seen and heard like Paul. Dear God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for you to kindle a fire in the hearts of your preachers and let that fire burn through their sermons into the pews, set people on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, from Maine to Florida to Texas to California to Washington to Minnesota, back to Maine, Alaska and Hawaii, all across America, I pray for your church that will enjoy peace, be built up, go on in the fear of the Lord and the and the, and the growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would do a great work in our day. Raise up young preachers to preach the Word of God. Raise up more Billy Grahams. Raise up, dear God, more people like Philip that will, beginning from the Scripture, open their mouth and share Jesus to other people. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Bless this school. Bless it indeed. Enlarge its borders. Let your hand be upon it. Keep it from harm that it may not be pain. Bless the Southern Baptist Convention. Bless the kingdom of God in America and throughout the world and send a great revival. Lord, will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We love you. We bless you. Thank you that we get to talk with you, Lord, and you talk to us, and then we can talk on your behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen and amen. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Steve Gaines, pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Steve, thank you for being with us today. Thank you.